Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you here for Sunday school and uh, still low in numbers. We got a lot of our folks still recovering from their sicknesses, but we got a few of them back, and we thank the Lord for that. Got Miss Pam over here with her new Easter hat on and a flower in it, and just good to have her here today. And uh, boy, what a beautiful, beautiful day! Isn't it gorgeous outside? I walked out this morning, had a little, little cool in the air, and uh, sun was shining, blue skies. And I thought, boy, what a great day uh, for a Sunday, and uh, rejoiced in it, went and had a little bit of breakfast, and uh, just spent the day this morning spending some time with the Lord and enjoying uh, the beautiful day, and um, looking forward to a good time around God's Word this morning. <clears throat> Let's go to the Lord in prayer. We're going to be in Exodus 21 this morning, if you want to go ahead and turn there, and uh, we'll go ahead and take some prayer requests if you have some things you'd like for us to pray for. Uh, continue to pray, if you will, for um, Brother Richard, uh, who did come home, or was supposed to come home from the hospital. I'm assuming he did. He told me the other day, he was, I think Friday, he was supposed to come home and that day, and uh, I'm pretty sure he is home at this point. Uh, but anyway, continue to pray for him. Um, God's been very gracious there, I think, and has uh, spared his life, and we thank the Lord for that. I uh, still has some stuff uh, going on that he needs prayer for, so continue to pray for him. Um, and then, of course, all of our the rest of our folks that have been sick, and it's it's just easier to say all the rest of our folks that have been sick because I'll forget one of them. I'm sure there's been so many, uh, but uh, we've tried to stay uh, in touch either by text or email or trying to get messages to people and find out if there's things they need. And uh, so uh, pray for that. Um, of course, Miss Evelyn, Brother Norm, uh, found out the other day he's got it now, and so pray for him. Uh, and uh, let's see here, the Douglases uh, still still struggling. Brother Douglas got it really bad, I think. I'm not sure if Miss Regis was quite as bad as his, but uh, I think they both had it pretty good. The Seals, um, uh, of course, the Petty Bones, Brother Tom was ornery. He didn't want it, so he didn't get it. So he decided uh, he just didn't want it. But uh, good to see Miss Kathy here today, all the piles, and uh, Miss Serena, and just uh, a lot of our folks, I'll tell you. Uh, Miss Linda, uh, 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 Bamer, and she's got, uh, uh, so she said that she's been feeling better and recovering well. So we thank the Lord for that. Uh, but just so many of them, I'm starting to name names, and I know I'm going to forget somebody, and they're going to have their feelings hurt. But uh, just pray for our folks that are sick. Uh, we got an awful lot of them, and uh, then pray that they'll be back with us soon. The recovery is is sometimes several weeks too, so uh, continue to pray that God will strengthen them. Um, if you will continue to pray for my uncle Eddie, uh, we found out last week that uh, four weeks ago, I guess, uh, we found out he had cancer, um, and uh, it's stage four, and it's all through his body. They found out last week that. It has spread to his blood. He's got cancer in his blood, also in the right side of his brain. And um, the problem with all of that is the severity of the pain that he's having to endure. And so uh, please uh, keep him in prayer. And I might be taking a quick trip uh, over to Indiana. I'm not sure. I'm going to talk to my aunt and see if uh, they're okay with a company coming over or somebody to come visit them. Uh, if they don't feel up to it, I may not go over for it. Uh, but... Do be in prayer for them, if you will. Um, also found out that one of others of my relatives, if you heard about the boat 
<clears throat> that capsized in the Gulf of Mexico. My aunt's cousin was one of the ones that was still missing on that boat. And so if you could keep him in prayer, his name is Jason. And I have not heard yet if they've uh, found him or if they've uh, uh, been able to, to get any resolution on that. Uh, and then, of course, our shut-in folks, Brother Ron Beckett, uh, Jess and Sarah Harris, if you will, continue to pray for them. Um, Gene Whitener, Brother Everett Scheffler, uh, so many of our folks that are not able to get out and around. Their hearts are here with us, and uh, I try to talk with them fairly regular and uh, see how they're doing. But uh, continue to pray for them. Pray for Sandy uh, Phillips, uh, who had a pretty rough bout of uh, the sickness as well, and so pray that she'll be back up and on her feet again. Uh, believe it or not, she was out mowing her grass the other day, so <laughs> doing better, but uh, still has a little ways to go. Uh, so, But continue to pray for her. Um, also, my brother Rich, uh, who's in some severe pain or has been in some severe pain this last week, uh, had to be taken to the hospital and was there for, I think, about a day and a half or so, two days under observation. Uh, he was in such pain that he actually passed out from it. And uh, so continue to pray for him, if you will. I'd mentioned him, I think, Wednesday night. And then uh, Reagan is also uh, going through some very difficult times. We've had her in the emergency room two different times in the last week. And uh, she did get a test done on Friday. We've not heard the results of that yet. And uh, she has another test on Tuesday, we're hoping it's just her gallbladder and nothing more serious than that. And so uh, if you would, keep her in prayer also. So a lot of things to be in prayer about. Uh, and uh, it just, uh, there was a couple days last week, it seemed like literally, and, I, and Jonathan will attest to this, we would, we'd be on the phone talking to somebody who was sick or, or hurting or needed something, and the phone would be ringing while I'm trying to hang up with them, and it'd be another person and then another one. And just seemed like it was just piling on with all the folks being sick and folks that needed things. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful for a church. This has been just amazing to watch. But I'm thankful for a church that cares so much for each other. Uh, boy, it's just been a blessing to see. And uh, I couldn't keep up with running everywhere for everybody, but other people stepped up. And, you know, I know uh, the Dealmans have done an awful lot running some errands, Brother uh, Harold and some of these guys. Uh, really stepped up and did a lot to try to help uh, care for our folks. And uh, I love a church that cares for each other. And it's like a big family here, and we thank the Lord for that. And um, so a lot of things to be praying for, a lot of things to be thankful for today. And uh, we certainly have seen God's answers to prayer. All right, uh, if you have something else you'd like for us to pray for, or if you have an answer to prayer, maybe something that... Uh, it's been exciting to see uh, that God's done in your life. Then uh, why don't we take a moment and share that, and uh, then we'll get into our lesson this morning. Yes, ma'am. Amen. 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 God is good, isn't he? He sure is good. Amen. Sure. Amen. Amen. 
Yeah, I, and I, you know, when I was out for a few weeks in November, uh, I was amazed at how much I missed uh, just being around our folks. Uh, it just, uh, as much as I missed being at church, I missed the fellowship as much as if ever, anything. And uh, it's, a, it's, it's almost a sense of relief when you finally get to come back and you just kind of, ha, ah, back to normal. Here's what it should be. <laughs> and, uh, but, yes, we do thank the Lord for his answers to prayer. Absolutely. All right, anything else we need to pray about or something you... Uh, Maybe answer to prayer, blessing. Okay, everybody's got everything they need. Okay, I'm sure there's some unspoken prayer requests that many of our folks have, so keep those in prayer if you will. I'm certain that there are many of us that have unsaved folks that we're praying for. And so if you will, keep those in prayer. And also keep our country and its leaders, uh, those that are in uh, positions of making decisions, um, pray that God will give direction there, and uh, we'll work on hearts. Um, we certainly want things to happen in our country that uh, are Christ-honoring. And uh, I understand sometimes with certain folks in leadership, we may think, well, there's no chance of that happening. But God can do some things in their heart just as easily as He can do it in anybody else's heart. And I was talking to Brother Harold the other day, you know, we as we as humans, we think of things in terms of uh, ability to, to meet the need of it. And some things to us are really huge and, wow, I don't know if that can ever be accomplished. And then other things are really small and we think, oh, I can take care of that. But have you ever thought about this, that it doesn't matter how big something is or how small something is, it's all the same to God. And to ask God to, to change a heart that we look at and say, well, that's impossible. They've been that way their whole life. They'll never change. God can do it. Uh, he can do it. And, and it doesn't deplete His power. That's the amazing thing about Him. It doesn't exhaust Him. He doesn't get done working on the hard cases and say, Phew, man, that was tough. <laughs> it, not at all. Not at all. God is able to do it. And um, it's interesting. We were talking uh, a few weeks ago how ironic it is that God ties His working and His moving in our lives oftentimes to our prayer life. And uh, God has the desire to do certain things, but we hinder that oftentimes because we don't pray or we don't pray as we ought. And why he chooses to uh, do that, uh, I don't know if I understand all the reasoning behind that, but he does. It's what he's done in Scripture. He tells us that there are some things that come not forth but by prayer and fasting and uh, the fervency of our praying. And so certainly we know that he does so. He ties things uh, as far as his power and his working to our prayer lives. And uh, so it ought to encourage us, um, even when it comes to the things about our country. I, I was talking to my mom this week, and I really do think uh, we're seeing things almost daily, almost hourly, uh, line up and come into line with things that have to happen uh, for the tribulation period and the end time events. And we're almost watching it unfold right before our eyes. And I believe very, very strongly that, that the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is very, very soon. And uh, now you say, well, the people have been thinking that for 2,000 years. The apostles thought he was going to come in their lifetime. But the truth is we ought to live that way all the time, that he can come back any moment. And um, if we're going to do something for the Lord, we need to do it now. We ought not sit back and say, well, the world is too far gone. It's too big of a task. It's too big of a job for God to do anything anymore. No, that's not true. God can still do what He chooses to do. And um, 
I hope we do pray that we don't give up hope. Uh, we pray for our leaders. We pray for our country. I hope we pray for our church and one another. And I, I'm certain of that. So many of you text or uh, call sometimes and just say, we're just praying for you, Pastor, or we're praying for the church, or we're praying for the, the folks here. And uh, I hope we do pray for each other regularly. And then pray that God will give us opportunity. We've had so many folks recently, they've shared opportunities they've had to share the gospel, to talk to people about the Lord, and that's exciting to see. And uh, But pray that God will help us to have those opportunities and to recognize them and to take full advantage of them. And uh, so a lot of things to be a prayer about, a lot of things to be thankful for. All right? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, yes, sir, Brother Tom. Okay, yes, sir. Yes, sir. So praying for Brother Tom's brother to have a place to go. And uh, I guess, is he going to stay with you all for a little while, or are you still looking for a place? No. <laughs> okay, yep. I find a place for him to go. And uh, I'll never forget when I first came back from college, uh, I was going to go to work at the church where my dad was pastoring. And uh, he said, now, Greg, we can work together. We just can't work together and live together. And uh, as much as we loved each other, we knew that was going to have to happen. So, But uh, do pray for that, for direction uh, in that, and that that will uh, work out uh, for Brother Tom's brother. And what's his first name again? Is it, was it? Billy. Billy. Okay, Billy. And I, I, for some reason, I was wanting to say Bobby, and I knew that didn't sound right. So, So pray for Billy. All right? Okay. Anything else? All right, let's pray. Father, we're so grateful and thankful for the privilege to be here. And, Lord, we say that this morning, not just to go through the process of saying that we're grateful for being here, but, Lord, the truth of the matter is those that are here can very, very much relate to the blessing that it is to be here today. And, Lord, others that are not able yet to be with us, uh, yet their, their desire, their heart's desire is to be here. Lord, we do not take for granted the health that you've given to us, the, the freedom that you've given to us to come and meet here together today. Lord, what a, what a blessing it has been. What an encouragement to our hearts to have a church that we can come to, to be able to hear your word preached and to be able to fellowship together and encourage and strengthen one another as we all strive to walk and to grow and uh, to become more of what we ought to be. How wonderful it is to have like-minded brothers and sisters in Christ, that when we fail, they, they pick us up and dust us off and encourage us and help us along the way. And then when we're going strong, that they continue to encourage and to motivate and to, to cheer us along the way. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to always be a church that uh, is uh, burdened for not only our own personal walk with you and our own personal growth, but that we can encourage others in that same growth in their life. We can always come to them in a spirit of meekness and, and edify and build up and encourage them in these things. And so, Father, we do ask that you would bless today through the teaching and the preaching of your word. May your Holy Spirit do his work in our hearts. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to have come here this morning with our hearts already yielded and already uh, taking some time this morning to just... Uh, calm our thoughts and our hearts and our minds and to allow them to be uh, directed and to be taught 
by your word and your Holy Spirit. And so, Father, I pray that you would bless all that we say and do today, that it will bring honor and glory to you. For those that are still homesick and others that are trying to be very careful and cautious during these times, I pray that you would give them grace and encouragement as they're not able to be with us. And we do ask that you would help them as they tune in via live stream to uh, be able to see the things and to hear the things that are needful in their hearts and in their lives. And so, Father, we ask that you would bless all that we say, all that we do here today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Exodus chapter number 21. Exodus chapter 21. Last week we began dealing with this after God gives the the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter number 20. uh, Then he begins to... uh, teach on application of those commandments over the next three chapters uh, he's going to start giving uh, application he's going to give specific instances of here's how you now judge in that particular command and uh, so we saw last week that uh, he's dealing here in the first part of this regarding uh, servants and and people's the rights of servants uh, and and or slaves and understand this uh, we mentioned last week, I'm just going to give a real quick review. I'm not going to teach the whole lesson again, but uh, when we think in terms of slaves today, we think of the brutal, um, demeaning, um, uh, horrible type of situation where greedy men want to sell other men into into slavery, and they do it with vengeance, they do it with uh, greed and, and arrogance, and then they sell them to slave owners, and, and in, in the history of even our own country, we look at how horrible the slave trade was um, back in the uh, the 1600s, 1700s, and, and so on. But understand that when the Bible speaks about being a slave or being a servant, uh, many times these these folks were treated so well by their masters uh, that oftentimes they, they their life was improved by what they were going through. This was not a a demeaning thing where they were put in uh, terrible housing and terrible living conditions. Oftentimes these servants and even the slaves would live in, in very nice accommodations. Their masters would take very good care of them. There were several ways that uh, you could become a slave when you were uh, in the Old Testament. One of them was if you had extreme poverty. Uh, if you were in extreme poverty, you could sell yourself or your family into slavery. And uh, the idea was that there was not a lot of, um, uh, again, when you did it that way, you were taking a step up, and the master who was wealthy that you sold yourself to uh, or your family to um, would take very good care of you. And it was a way of improving your life situation. Uh, Another one is sometimes you would sell your children into slavery. And that sounds like a horrible thing because of the way we think of things today. But again, back then... Think about a a family that was in horrible poverty that uh, here they could put their kids in a better living situation. They could still have contact with them. They could still help influence their lives and rear them and raise them. But they were being given an opportunity to advance in life beyond what you were able to do. So it wasn't the horrible thing that we think of when we think in terms of selling your children into slavery. Uh, bankruptcy, uh, if you had a, a debt that you owed somebody, uh, the, the judges would then say, okay, you're this man's servant or you're this man's slave uh, until that debt is paid off. Uh, and then sometimes if there was a thief that could not pay restitution, uh, those were the four ways that you could become 
a servant or a slave. And even in those cases, oftentimes they were treated well and they were, that was their payment of restitution back to the person they had stolen from. Um, so uh, it's very important that we understand this as we get to the first part of chapter 21. Uh, notice the Bible says this in verse number 5, and I want you to see this. And if a servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free, then his master shall bring him unto the judges, he shall also bring him to the door, or unto the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. And uh, so we have what was called a, a servant or a slave that was bound under the law, and every six years uh, the master was to let his slaves go free. So even if you sold yourself into slavery, even if you had to be a servant to somebody, uh, on that seventh year, uh, when the beginning of the seventh year started, the master was to set you free, and you, had him, you owed him no more obligation. You were just free. You were a free man at that point. Again, people in poverty, where were they going to go? What were they going to do? Probably go right back into poverty again. So oftentimes they would tell their masters, no, we don't want to leave. Our life is too good here. And we love serving you. We love the life that you give us. And so they would then become what the Bible refers to as a bond servant. And they would take them to a doorpost, and they would run an awl. They would pierce the ear. And I'm not going to teach a message on pierced ears or whether it's right or wrong. I've heard preachers get up and go all way out there on the limb on some things about that. But back in this time, the piercing of the ear was a sign that you were a bond servant to someone. You were now serving not because of the law, but you were now serving out of love. And we spent some time last week to show the difference, even in the New Testament, how that so many times, and this is something that a lot of our churches, a lot of our like-minded churches, misunderstand, or maybe they, they uh, understand it, but they don't teach it real well. And that is that when we come to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, we're not His servants because we owe Him. We're never going to be able to, to pay back the debt we owe Him. So, so there's no reason to serve under obligation because we're never going to meet that obligation. But we ought to serve out of love because of all that He's done for us. I mean, look at what He's done to improve our lives. He's given us mercy. He's given us grace. And we're going to look at that a little bit more this morning as we get into chapters 22 and 23. But it's interesting to me that God uh, uh, ties this idea of the bond slave saying, you know what, I am now uh, 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 the servant of my master, not because I have to, but because I get to. This is the privilege that I have. And even back in the Old Testament, how God uses things to picture and illustrate so vividly uh, the things that uh, we have in the in New Testament by way of doctrine and our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, interesting thing about the bond slave, the Bible says this uh, in verse number uh, 6, uh, And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him. What are the next two words? What is it? Forever, not, not just six years. Uh, by the way, uh, a great, great illustration of eternal security here. Uh, there, once you're a bond slave, once you become that uh, child of the king, once you've made that decision, you're his forever. And uh, there is no coming back from that. And uh, so then from then on, verse number 7, 
um, and down he, he goes on into some other things there uh, regarding how we're to treat one another. He says, okay, if a man uh, does something wrong by way of your daughter, uh, then uh, he goes through what you're supposed to do with that. Uh, verse number 9, he talks about, uh, um, uh, and if he hath betrothed her unto his son, he shall deal with her after the manner of daughters. And so he teaches on how you're supposed to deal with some of these things and gives, the, again, the application of the law. And we get down to, uh, let's go down to verse number 12. Uh, he that smiteth a man uh, so that he die uh, shall be surely put to death. And if a man lie not in wait, but God deliver him into his hand, then will I appoint thee a place whither he shall flee. Uh, so again, dealing with if you kill somebody in verse number 15, he that smiteth his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He that stealeth a man and selleth him uh, shall be put to death. He that curseth his father or mother, verse number 17, shall surely be put to death. If men strive together and one smite the other with a stone or with his fist, and he die not but keepeth his bed, if he rise again and walk abroad upon his staff, then shall he that smote him quit, uh, be quit. Only he shall pay for the loss of his time and shall cause him to be thoroughly healed, thoroughly healed. And if a man shall smite a servant or maid with a rod and die under his hand, he shall be surely punished, notwithstanding if he continue a day or two, he shall not be punished, for he is... Uh, his money. If men strive and hurt a woman with child, so that her fruit depart from her, yet no mischief follow, he shall surely be punished, according to the woman's husband. And uh, goes on and on and on, giving all of these illustrations. And the key of it comes down to verse number 23 and 24. Uh, if any mischief follow, then thou shalt give, notice this, life for life, eye for eye, Tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burning for burning, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Now, I want to just stop here for a minute and explain to you that the Old Testament law was based on justice and fairness. <laughs> and uh, we're living in a day where people say, well, that's just not fair. And we say, I want justice. And the truth of the matter is, I'm thankful we don't have to live under justice. I'm thankful we have a land that, that has um, the law of the land, and we certainly have justice in our land. But when it comes to our eternal destination, aren't you glad that we do not get our just reward? If it were an eye for an eye, if it were still a tooth for a tooth in the eyes of God, then you and I would have no chance of salvation. There is something that is a distinct contrast here in the Old Testament, and under the law, it's an eye for an eye. If you take time to read, in Matthew chapter number 5 and going all the way through 7, and hopefully one of these days very soon, I'm really praying on this, I want to do a series on the Sermon on the Mount. I'm very excited about it. been working on some notes for it already, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to do that soon. But when Jesus begins to speak to the multitudes, and He says, uh, Ye have heard that it hath been said, but I tell you, oftentimes. And He says, You have heard that it hath been said, but I tell you. What he's saying here is, we're, we're, there is the, the, the Old Testament law of justice, but I'm telling you, in the New Testament, in the time of, of Christ, in the time of Christianity, I want you to live by grace. And I want you to understand that you have justice on one side, and you have mercy on the other side, and mercy is the escape of our justice. And the only way you and I get mercy 
is by His grace. Him giving us this mercy that we do not deserve. And very, very important that you and I understand this, that when, when Christ died on Calvary, when He came, He didn't come to, to get rid of the law. He came to fulfill the law. And from that point forward, we no longer live under the idea of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And when it comes to our civil laws, certainly we base a lot of that on the Old Testament justice system. But how often you and I oftentimes have been wronged and yet we've given mercy or we've given grace and we've done so because we've been given grace. How often we've given our forgiveness and we've not done things to folks that we could have easily done. We could have sued them at law or we could have uh, pressed charges against them for uh, doing something illegal toward us. And yet we gave grace. We gave forgiveness. And I thought of this as I was thinking on this lesson today. That God is a just God. And His justice demands a penalty for sin. God does not cease to be who He is in our salvation. God does not cease to be a just God and to demand the payment for sin. Was, was the payment for sin just ignored and, and thrown to the side and said, well, we'll just, we'll just, we, won't, we won't have to do that payment? Is that the way God chose to give us redemption? Not at all. But He did make a way for it, didn't He? And the way that He made a way for it is He took His own Son and had Him pay the eye for the eye and the tooth for the tooth. He had Him pay for the justice of our sin. And then He turned around and said, Now I'm going to forgive you because my son paid it for you. And I'm going to give you grace by extending mercy to you for the sins that you committed that my son paid for. Isn't it amazing as we read through the Old Testament to see how these things tie together and we see the picture of uh, if anything, as we read through Exodus chapter 21, we ought to sit there and praise God for what He has done for us. That you and I were not held under such a, a, a stringent set of requirements when it came to our sin. I don't know about you, but that ought to make, that ought to make a Baptist shout right there. That, that ought to be something we get excited about. I'm thankful that I don't get an eye for an eye when it comes to the way God deals with me. Does He chasten us? Sure He does. But I don't certainly get an eye for an eye. It's amazing to me as you look down through here and you see all the things that people can be killed for. They can be stoned for. If you speak, if you curse your mother or father, you are to be stoned to death. How many times have you and I, before we were saved, spoken against God? How many times have you and I failed God in some areas. And there's a stark contrast that the Bible shows us between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The contrast of justice versus grace. Versus grace. And I'm thankful that we now live under grace, don't you? Aren't you? I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful we no longer have to suffer the penalty of the law. So he goes on down through uh, the rest of chapter number 21. We're going to move rather quickly through these. I'm not going to go verse by verse in them. And uh, we get over to chapter, verse number 33, chapter 21. If a man shall open a pit or if a man shall dig a pit and not cover it, 
or an ox or an, and an ox or an ass fall therein. The owner of the pit shall make it good and give money to the owner of them, and the dead bees shall uh, be his. So for the next, um, oh, probably about, so it looks like about 18 or 19 verses, he mainly is dealing with restitution. In other words, if even if it's not uh, intentional, if I have cost my neighbor something by my negligence or by accident or even maybe on purpose, how I'm supposed to uh, uh, get reconciled with him and make sure that uh, I've taken care of him and restitution has been paid. And so he deals a lot with that. I do want you to notice um, uh, down as we get to, let's see here. Uh, yeah, we'll go on into chapter 20, uh, 23 before I get to that part. Never mind. Uh, and then uh, verse number 16, we get to chapter number 22, uh, all the way down through verse number 15. He continues with the whole thing of restitution. We get to verse 16 of chapter 22, and he talks about our conduct uh, one to another. And so he deals with um, uh, how a man is to treat a maid. Uh, he gets down to uh, verse number uh, 21. He talks about how we're to deal with strangers. Uh, not to oppress strangers that are in our land. And he's speaking here of people outside of the Israelite uh, group. Um, in verse number 22, I think very important, and I think the New Testament bears this out. You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child, and if thou afflict them in any wise, and they cry at all unto me, I will surely hear their cry, and my wrath shall wax hot. I will kill you with the sword, and your wives will be widows, and your children fatherless. That's something God doesn't mess around with. Uh, when it comes to the widows and the followers, we and we even know from the New Testament that true religion and un, uh, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is that we care for the widows and the fatherless. If our church does nothing else, it better do those two things. And we need to make sure we understand how, how God views this, how important of an issue this is to Him. If thou lend money to any of my people that is poor by thee, thou shalt not uh, be to him as a Usurer. Now, the word usurer here means as a lender that charged a fee for the use of their money. So, in other words, if you were to loan someone who was poor money, you were not to charge interest for that. Uh, now, that doesn't mean you weren't allowed to charge interest for people who weren't poor. If you lent money to someone else, maybe for a business transaction or for some cash flow things, uh, you could certainly be a user and you could uh, charge um, uh, interest on that. But when it came to helping out the poor... Uh, even if it was a loan, you were not to charge interest on the loan. Uh, again, God's trying to be careful of uh, the poor. So we begin to see through these things, I hope, uh, kind of the heart of God on these issues. We see how He views them. We see how important they are to Him. Uh, and so He takes all of these Ten Commandments that we found in chapter 20 and lays out some very specific things. He says, okay, here's how you judge them. Here's how you apply them. Here's how you... Um, will put them into practice. And he gives illustration after illustration. He does three chapters of this. And I will say this, that he does not exhaust the subject here. He uses some specific things to help us to understand the spirit of, of what these laws were given in, what God was trying to accomplish through them. He gives um, plenty of illustrations for us to look at and say, okay, I see where God's going with this. I see His grace through all of it. I see how, yes, it is justice, 
But there are times where mercy and grace also prevail. And uh, so it's very important that we understand the heart of God on these issues. Um, and uh, then we get now to chapter number 23. And uh, we're going to start dealing with some things <coughs> that are a little bit more applicable individually to our, our lives. So let's begin in chapter, uh, or verse number 1, chapter number uh, 23. Thou shalt not raise a false report, uh, put not thine hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil, neither shalt thou speak in a cause to decline after many, uh, many to rest judgment, neither shalt thou countenance a poor man in his cause. I, some of that is like, okay, what did they just say about that? We're not to give false witness, and you could end it there and say ever. But there are some things that God knows that humanly we have a tendency to do, or that our human nature has a tendency to do. One of them is we always tend to feel sorry for the underdog. <coughs> and what would happen in this time period is someone who is a poor man who was trying to make accusation against someone who maybe had some money and wealth in order to gain something from that, would oftentimes get a, a number of witnesses around them that would support them in this because, hey, I'm poor. I mean, this guy, this, this unrighteous man, he's unrighteous because he's holy or because he's, uh, he's uh, wealthy. And just because of the fact that he's wealthy makes him bad and evil and wicked and uh, here I am poor and it ought to be fair. By the way, does that sound similar to what's being said today in our government? Oh, boy, the big, the big business, the big business. Boy, they ought to pay their fair share. <laughs> Trust me, I think they are. <coughs> they ought to pay their fair share. And a whole group of folks that say, well, we're poor. We don't have that kind of money. And uh, we're going to sit at home and pout about it. And uh, then, then God tells them, he says, listen, don't throw your hand in with that wicked crowd. Notice he says here, verse number 2, Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil, neither shalt thou speak in a cause to decline after many to rest judgment. He says, Neither shalt thou, count, thou countenance a poor man in his cause. He said, Listen, just because you feel sorry for this guy who's poor doesn't mean that you go and you bear false witness in order for him to get a judgment that benefits him. We still need to be what's right, do what's right. We still need to speak with integrity. We still need to have honesty about ourselves. And we could say it this way, Thou shalt not bear false witness. <coughs> in, in chapter 20 he says against thy neighbor, but he goes a little bit further in this. He says don't follow the crowd. By the way, if everybody is doing it, it does not mean it's right for you and I to do it. We must hold to the truth of what we ought to uh, establish our lives on, this idea of integrity, this idea of honesty, and we need to follow after those things. Uh, it is not right, and uh, we may get bumped off Facebook for this, I don't know. It is not right for people to sit back and expect other people to give them things that they did not work for. It's not right for us to come out here and say, well, this big business has billions and billions of dollars and I can't hardly pay my groceries. They owe me something. No, they don't owe me a thing. They don't owe you a thing. 
We don't throw our hand in with those that come and say, we want to have a law, we want to have some kind of direction from our government that says that it's okay to take from this company and give it to those that are poor. If there's going to be any contributions to the poor, who's supposed to do it? The church. And it's to be done with a willing heart and a willing spirit as we take care of who? We take care of the widows and the fatherless. Everybody else needs to get out there and work. They need to get, get out there and do something. You say, Brother Greg, what if they're disabled? They can still do something. They can do something. <clears throat> if they're a widow or if they're fatherless, uh, then we take care of them. If we have some um, developmentally disabled, like we have at like My Place Residential, you say, Brother Greg, I don't think they can work. Go talk to them. They take many of them to work every day, don't they, Miss Katrina? They can do something. I mean, I've been over to the house working. Miss Pam can color like you would not believe. She can do something. Everybody can do something. And you say, Brother Greg, that's silly. That's simple. But understand this, that we ought not ever get to a place where we expect those that have more than we have to give to us just simply because we don't have as much as they do. And we need to be careful of those things. I believe that's very easily taught here in the verse, first few verses of chapter number 23. All right, we're going to pick up there next week, and uh, we'll go ahead and uh, end on that note. And I uh, hope that will be a help to you. Let me just mention one thing before we get to, uh, before we dismiss here. I do have, uh, I was going to hopefully have displays up this week. It has been a crazy two weeks, and uh not had enough time to deal with it this week. But hopefully this week coming up we'll... Have them up, but I do have prayer cards for the Hiltabittle family. Um, there, are mission, there are missionaries to Romania, and I've got those right down here on the um, uh, communion table here. If you'd like to come up and get one of them, and what I would encourage you to do is sometime this week find a way to contact them. They have their email on here, they have their phone number on here. I would recommend probably emailing first and finding what time they're available for a call because they are on the other side of the world. And you don't want to call them right in the middle of their night, uh, 3 o'clock in the morning or something like that. So uh, maybe email them first. Find out what would be maybe a good time to call and talk with them. If you'd like to do that, I'm not saying you have to. I've got plenty of their cards up here. Uh, but uh, if you'd like to do that this week, uh, maybe uh, take a chance to, to get in touch with them, talk with them, find out a little bit about them, introduce yourself, find out who their kids are, their their wife, who, who the wife is, and... Um, Find out how their ministry is going. Ask them some questions. And uh, if somebody will do that before Wednesday night, we'll, uh, we'll give a moment on Wednesday night for you, just a minute or so, to give us a little update on how things are going with them. And uh, I want to encourage you, if you will, to, to start working in this area of getting in touch with some of our missionaries. We'll have some more of these out in the next week or so, uh, different missionaries that we can contact and uh, be in, involved with. All right, let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, we pray that you'll bless the time that uh, we've spent together around your word. <coughs> I pray that you would help us to have your wisdom, your guidance. That we would understand these things from your word. And uh, that they will be a help to us, help us to uh, live in such a way, no matter what our society is doing. No matter what they call right and no matter what they call wrong, I pray that you would help us to live according to what is right and what is wrong in your word. And so, Father, I pray that you'd help us to grow in these areas, help us to be steadfast in them, unmovable. Lord, we don't have to be mean about it, but we certainly need to be steadfast. And we can, with charity and love and with compassion, 
uh, be able to teach these things to others also. We pray that you'll dismiss us now with your blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.